You are listening to the Lifebox Media Channel Radio Podcast. Please like and subscribe. Good morning. Welcome to Lifebox Media Channel Radio Podcast. Today is my steam pleasure to have on. He's an actor. He's an impressionist. Um, he's got everything going on for him that could be in many different ways of saying it. Mr. Jim Meskimen, how are you today? I'm real good. Thanks a lot for uh, for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, man. Thank you so much for coming on. I just was, I'll tell you what, there's nothing like a great impressionist. And I sat there and I had to calm down after watching because I was laughing so damn hard watching some of your YouTube spots. And I didn't realize, put the two and two together, that I fell in love with you watching you on America's Got Talent. Oh, no kidding. Back in 2013. Yes, sir. Wow. I looked wow. at that nice. and I said, oh, my gosh, I know this guy. I said he was hilarious, you know. And well, thanks for remembering. Thanks for remembering. Yeah, that was quite an experience. Radio City Music Hall. I uh, I, I had a really good time on that show. I mean, I have to ask you, and I, you know, where did you get the idea to be an impressionist, man? I mean, that's really cool. Well, it's sort of the way things developed. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't have a goal to do it really particularly. I just enjoyed as a kid playing around with uh, different voices. Back then, you know, when I was young, I, I don't know, I, everybody was doing Richard Nixon and movie stars of the time period, John Wayne and all that sort of stuff. So it, it just was a fun kind of game to play. And then later, as I, you know, I wanted to be a, 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 an illustrator cartoonist first, and I pursued that career for a while. And then uh, when I was in New York, I realized, you know, I, I had an acting career going as well. So I, uh, I kind of put aside the cartooning and, and things and did a lot of improv and uh, eventually got into television and film. And, you know, for whatever reason, the, the, the impressions get me a little bit of attention. They give me a little bit of juice or heat, as they say. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I keep, I keep creating on them. And I'm, thank you for watching the stuff on YouTube. I put up stuff all the time just for my own amusement and I have quite a few followers. So it's, 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 it's rewarding. You came on at a perfect time. I just had James Arnold Taylor on the other day. Oh yeah, I know James Arnold Taylor. Yeah, we've never we haven't worked together, but I know him. He's, I respect him a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and we talked about this as you know, as, as a kid, were you one of those kids that kind of were you in school and already pulling off your craft? <laughs> a little bit, although I was not a I was not a gregarious class clown because I was more the guy that sat and drew cartoons and stuff. But I, when I was home, I would make radio shows on my cassette player and do funny voices and stuff because I I just was really drawn to it. Maybe it's because. Uh, my mom, who was an actress, uh, you know, she she also kind of fooled around that way and showed me that it was fun and, and accents were fun and talking like other people was just a, a kind of a game. You know, it's funny, and I, I've met your mother, the incredible Miss Marion Ross, many times. She's an absolute sweetheart, super talented, and, and, and a TV legend, but I yeah. can't imagine... Marion Ross, Mrs. C, sitting there doing impressions. That just blows my mind away, man. Well, yeah, they're, they're different people. See, that's the thing. I, my, I was raised by Marion Ross. I was not raised by Mrs. C. <laughs> Nobody was. But, but a lot of people feel like they know how my mother's mothering style would have been. Uh, you know, you extrapolated from the way she played the part, but they're completely different people and a completely different style. I mean, my mom was a working mom. She had uh, two kids and uh, she was divorced. And so she was out there hustling and she's... She's got a mischievous side and a, a real hustler side and a really, really creative side. I mean, she's a she is a, a, a real true artist, even though she would never say that about herself. But I, I've watched her and I know she she really is dedicated. I, I agree with that. Shout out to my mom also. 
is a, a single, raised single mom before it was popular or a sport. So I did it, and, uh, you know, big shout out to the single moms out there because oh, man, so much work, you know, <laughs> brother. Let me tell you, I think my mom, I think I stretched my mom's nerves once or twice too. <laughs> oh, I, I definitely did. I definitely did. I, I definitely did. You oh know, my god! But did you get the acting bug because of your mom and because of growing up, or did was it just something separate? You know, it's hard to say because I, I don't know if I would have been so attracted to it uh, without that background. But one thing I did get out of it, was, uh, you know, having this wonderful mom was I got to see what the acting business really is. What does an actor actually do? It's not all red carpet and interviews and, and you know, be, being in big movies. It's it's learning lines while you're cooking dinner for your kids and it's going to auditions, you know, in hellacious traffic and uh, all the myriad other factors that that are the reality of a working actor, right, uh, and so that sure. was a real that was a real advantage that I you know I I cherish. Uh, but as far as the love of being in front of an audience and creating in that way, would I have would I have stumbled on that? I probably could have. You know, there's lots of avenues for someone to come into contact with that, and to do a play or to do you know a performance somewhere and go, oh my God, this is this is something really special. Right. Were you, were you one of those kids that sit there was glued on Happy Days because your mom worked there? Did you or were you numb to it? Oh no, I watched it every week. I loved it. I thought it was a great show. I used to go to the as soon as I could drive, I would go to the uh, drive myself down to Paramount and go to the tapings myself on Friday nights, and it was an experience. You know that you you're probably old enough to remember that there was a time when there were not five thousand channels, and there were you know. <laughs> Yes, sir. Three shows, three choices on Tuesday night, you know, <laughs> on the television anyway. And uh, and so it was a very big deal, especially when it really got going and was a, a big hit in the, you know, late 70s. Absolutely. Without, yeah, I'm 57, so I'm right there, man. You know, I was glued yeah, to the yeah. TV. I was glued yeah. to the TV without a doubt, you know, and had, <laughs> had the pleasure of... You know, it's it's funny. I'll, I'll say this is is just that part of it is, is covering it is that everybody I've met from Happy Days and I've even had on the show of Happy Days, which uh, has been a wonderful. I was fortunate enough to work with Henry Winkler, so that was awesome. But you know, it, it, it is one of those things that I, I love the idea because you know the the way that way that everybody's legitimately really cool there, and I love that. Yeah, it was a sweet show with a sweet point of view, uh, corny, funny, silly. You know, a, kind of a lightheartedness that. Uh, we don't seem to be able to manifest these days, but uh, thank God it's still still on reruns. The only the only funny thing that is is you know I was like that psychiatrist that couldn't snap his fingers and get the girls because that that never worked for me. <laughs> it just never you know you know, he did that snap and finds it's not like that. I'm like yeah that was me. You know? Yeah but, right. But yeah. anyway, so I mean getting into the idea of I mean drawing cartoons now 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 I can't draw a stick figure decently. So I mean the idea of. I own some cells and everything else from some of the old, uh, you know, mm -hmm. Warner Brothers cartoons and stuff, and it's just incredible. I'm a huge Gossamer fan. I got Gossamer looking at me right now. If you you know who Gossamer is, right? Sure, sure. I mean, so you know, I love that him and Marvin and Martian. So, what was your deal growing up? What what did you like to draw in cartoons, or did you create your own? Well, I did create my own, but I my my big uh, inspiration growing up was Mad Magazine. Nice, you know. I, I loved the artwork in Mad Magazine, and I would pour over it and try to draw like that. And I still try to draw like that, those guys. They were so masterful. And I just actually I just had a wonderful experience because I narrated an audio book about the founder of Mad Magazine, the guy that actually started at uh, a guy named Harvey Kurtzman. And it was a, a lengthy uh, and very well uh, 
researched uh, account of his life, a biography. And uh, it, it's interesting to see how much Mad Magazine, the impact that it had on young people of the day and then also grown-ups and, and really the American sense of humor and uh, sense of satire was inalterably changed by Mad Magazine. And it was kind of like walking down memory lane. And I, I, I didn't even credit how much I my, my viewpoint has been, <laughs> has been altered, not just the way I like to draw, <laughs> but uh, the kind of jokes that I like because of Mad Magazine. Yeah, I, I think that kind of made an impression of all of us. Positive and negative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as well, you know, I mean, finding it and seeing, you know, you doing great artwork, when did you realize that you were you could really draw well? Oh, pretty early on, you know, because, you know, when you're a kid and if you have any kind of distinction, like if you're the kid that can run fast or, or dunk a basketball, you stand out pretty early. And, and then people kind of give you that identity. Oh, you know, they don't know anything else about you, but they know, wow, there's there's Leonard. He can really dunk that basketball. Or there's James. He can really play drums. And for me, I was, uh, you know, there weren't tons of guys that liked to draw. Most of them were interested in more healthy pursuits. But I would <laughs> sit and draw for hours, literally. And so, you know, I had a little more proficiency at it. And I was interested. You know, it was something I was interested in. So I, I, I took that on as my kind of my identity you know i'm the kid who draws cartoons and i thought well i would love to be a cartoonist i mean could i do that for a living and at the time of course we didn't have uh the same societal structure that we have today insofar as social media and things where you know a nine-year-old boy right now could do could make a living at, yes. uh, by doing cartoons uh, not online we <laughs> not when we were growing up no I, I remember i had a teacher that was uh Mr. Edler was my sixth grade teacher who actually took some of my work into somebody at the Los Angeles Times or one of the newspapers out here and said, is there anything you can do with this kid? And they went, nah, <laughs> not really. <laughs> but it was exciting that an adult even thought that much of my work to, to try that. And, and it really was, in, it was always encouraging. I was going to do it anyway, but it would have been nice to, to be able to think, wow, you know, I can earn a living at this. As it was, it took me uh, until I was about 17 or 18 to really make a living at, at drawing. And I, I did earn a living as a, as a uh, storyboard guy and a cartoonist uh, for coloring books and stuff like that. And then eventually went on to do a character design for a show called Thundercats, which was very big in the eighties. Yes, you, you and I, are, you and I are too old for, but uh, <laughs> my, my kids watched it. <laughs> yeah. Your kids could have watched it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, and that was the, that was the kind of the Zenith for me. That was as far as I went with it because I got really interested in acting and improv and impressions, and uh, I moved. I moved out of it as far as a, a paying gig, and I, I I draw and paint for my own amusement and for my family and for, you know, sometimes I have a gallery show, but not that often. Man, that's incredible, and definitely when I'm in town, I definitely come to your gallery show, my friend. I mean, thank uh, you, absolutely. You know, it, it, I, it's funny. My 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 one daughter, she's an incredible artist. She's like thirty eight, and somebody told her in the nineties, you know, oh, that's great, you know, kid, you'll you'll learn not to draw with your kids, but you'll never make a living at it. So she completely just, you know, once in a while she draws just for the hell of it, but she just doesn't do it because some teacher told her, ah, like almost like you know the opposite of what happened to you, but it happened to like with it with a with a place there saying, oh, sorry about that, good luck with that, you know, and yeah, yeah, there's no lack of people that are. are... <laughs> very happy to tell you that your dream is unattainable and, and, you know, maybe even give you, give you grief about it. But, um, most artists that I know have, have weathered that, you know, they, they spot it early on or they finally get kind of impatient with the whole thing and go, Oh, hell, 
I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm going to find out. And it really is only one way to find out, and that's to dive into it and see how dedicated you are and find your audience somewhere, you know, and there's these days it's, it's a little bit easier because of, of social media right. and, and uh, Instagram and things like that. I've discovered some amazing artists that in fact, just in general in the arts and you know, this has nothing to do with impressions and stuff like that, but uh, just in the arts in general, there's just seems to be so many more artists than I ever imagined were are out there producing amazing stuff. That's not, not the same. It's all, it's not traditional. It's, right. it's all over the map. And, uh, you wouldn't know that necessarily unless you had access to, to all these different, uh, you know, people basically. And, and, and it's, and it's funny now, now, you know, now also it's a, it's a different, I think it is, and correct me if I'm wrong, it, you don't have to individually do each cell like you used to now, right? Oh, oh, and animation. Uh, no, there's all kinds of shortcuts, and uh, technology has allowed animation to become much less unwieldy, and that's why there's such an explosion of uh, of animated programming and content everywhere, because uh, pretty much anybody can do it. Um, if you have an iPad, I think you can do it. Uh, it's <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and so if you have something to say. Also, we're also used to... Um, we're used to very kind of low tech and uh, very kind of bare bones animation and the audience will be very forgiving. I mean, if you remember when South Park came out, it was the most primitive sort of animation. Right. And even the, the guys that I used to work with, uh, the, the jib jab guys, I did lots of cartoons for them and that was all cut out animation. Very, very unsophisticated, right. but the audience is very, is very used to it and very pleased and they're just happy to see something moving and talking and, and expressing some funny idea. They don't care how it is. I, yeah. It's funny. You said that when I first saw South Park, I was like, seriously, you know, they got, they got, they got a couple of, uh, you know, guys <laughs> that just kind of barely made it out of art school to kind of do this. You know, it's never going to get by. You see what I do. <laughs> right. Right. And I don't mean that well, as that... an insult to them, but you know, it was very, like you said, very primitive. So you just didn't think that, you know, how can you put that against something that's, you know, at the top of the list and, you know, and then all of a sudden you have this, but they knew what they were doing. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I but I discovered early on that I, that I wanted to break out of animation. I wanted to do voice animation, uh, be a vo voice actor. And uh, I started that in New York City. And I, I still do that a lot today. I'm a voice of Colonel Sanders on your uh, radio and your television commercials, too. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but uh, I've been doing that for about six years, and that, that's that's an impression, and is is a kind of a funny voice too. So I, I, like that. I love that. Did you get? Uh, what, did you just all of a sudden you know figure out your like everybody does John Wayne? You know, it's funny. It's funny. I'll make you laugh because we're back here with Mr. Jim Meskimen here, we're trying to doing and talking about his impressions, his incredible career, and thank you so much for coming on today. I was asking you a question before we got interrupted. Is that you know, like a lot of people like to do it like John Wayne, but like I'm listening to your and, and, you know, they practice it or whatever. But it's funny, you know, your impressions aren't just an, a light impression of it. It seems like you really get the facials and everything else going on. I was just watching you do Pacino and everything else earlier. Is it when you take somebody that has such an iconic voice, do you sit there and you just kind of, do you, do you tape it and listen to it and say, yeah, that sounds good. And then look at yourself in the mirror. What makes you get good at it? Well, thank you. It's very kind. I, I, I approach it like an actor. You know, I, I'm not a stand-up comedian, although I do, you know, I love comedy and I try to try to keep my act. Uh, I'll disagree you know, with I do that, it. but I'll disagree with that because I think you're pretty damn funny. But go ahead. Oh, well, that's very kind. But I, I mean, I don't pursue that trade. It's a very specific job. 
and uh, I, I'm very busy with the, you know, trying to keep my acting career going and my voiceover <laughs> career. So I, I don't stay up late at night at comedy clubs and, and, and hone an act that way. That's a very different approach. Right. Uh, and they, and they have a different purpose. So I look at things from the viewpoint, you know, not to be fancy, but I, I look at it from the viewpoint of an actor and I kind of try to absorb uh, all I can from that performer, and it's usually people that you know. I just really dig them a lot. You know, like Tommy Lee Jones. It's the great actor Tommy Lee Jones. Who I've watched for years and years, and has become such a, a staple in films. And uh, you know, there's just something wonderful about the way he expresses himself. And I, instantly, when I start to do this impression, I I get more impatient, and I want to you know use less words <laughs> to say what it is I'm thinking of. <laughs> so uh, that. That may be the difference. You know, Rich Little uh, is, of course, the, the great grandmaster of impressions. And he, he came along, you know, at the right place in the right time with a lot of natural talent and a lot of hard work. And uh, it created a, a huge effect on on my generation, for sure. Right, for sure. Uh, and, but he was a different kind of impressionist than, say, Frank Gorshin, who was another guy oh, who, who always described himself as being uh, a, 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 um, an actor impressionist. Um, and, and, and there's a little bit of a difference because you, you, and, and Jim Carrey is this way a little bit too, although he's kind of an actor impressionist caricaturist because he, he paints with a really broad brush. Uh, and, and, uh, Rich Little though, if you listen to recordings of Rich Little without watching him, uh, you, you get so much of, of the accuracy of his uh, impressions and, and you don't get as much by looking at him so much. Although he did, he would do some physical things like with Johnny, Johnny Carson, he would do, you know, a kind of a physical, uh, you know, uh, prop himself up like a peacock. And <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but it's, it's all, you know, it's acting. It is a species of acting. It is a part of the actor's tool, toolkit. And the, the, uh, you know, the, the better actors, the, the ones that we really revere, are also often quite good impressionists. They just use it for a different purpose than a guy in a, in a comedy club or a, guy, or a guy on America's Got Talent. You know, what's funny, that now I watched you, I, I watched you do, you know, Pacino, and, and, you, know, and, and you did, uh, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and you sit there, you know, and I let his face is upside down. <laughs> I mean, oh, De Niro's mouth is upside down, yeah. I couldn't That's think right. of his name. Yeah, De Niro, Robert De Niro. Uh, Pacino's, Pacino's mouth is perfectly formed, yeah. It's just not a, there's not a, there's nothing needs to be corrected there. But uh, <laughs> right, thank you for Nero's mouth is it's upside down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe but, I, he might have gotten his mouth from Australia. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but 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 you actually, I mean, you really pull it down to the to the mannerisms of your face and, and and everything else. Really, you really hone that very well. And I was watching it in between our little break there, and I was just you, you, it was fantastic because you really looked at it and you could hear and see and feel it. And it's funny you made the point about listening to Rich Little. You know, of course, you know, when we grew up, I actually just brought it, bought a record player the other day, a stereo the other day. But I mean, oh. I remember buying the albums and listening to things like that back in the day. And I listened to Jonathan Winters and whoever was doing, you know, Frank Gorshin, you know, and things like that. Anybody who would put out a record or an album of that kind of thing, you listen to it. You you had to use your imagination to do mm -hmm. so. I think because, and I'm, I'm just saying this as, as, as my point of view, I think you learning these things of that type of way and also seeing them, I think that makes, that's what makes you a, a better impressionist. Well, that's very kind. I, I, I don't know. I just know I'm interested in it, you know, and I've spent a lot of time in my life just sort of, uh, 
uh, admiring the content of other performers and their their performances and going, God, how how did they do that? Can I do that? I I wonder if I can, you know, what, what passes for talent, I think a lot in my case is just a very strong interest in, in what I'm, what I'm observing and, and, and an interest in communicating it to other people and entertaining other people with it. Uh, and, and, you know, we're in a funny time right now. Like I, you know, my mother's career is so different from what mine has evolved. You know, first of all, her success was, was far greater than anything I can hope for. But, uh, also just the lifestyle, you know, now she used to drive down, you know, in a car downtown or down to Hollywood and do an audition and then come back two or three times and audition many times. And now of course that's all being done from our homes where we're, you know, I've got a setup in the back with a little studio where I, uh, my my wife is an actress. My daughter is an actress. We take turns helping each other, and we shoot these things. We shoot these auditions, and then we either hear something, or more often we don't. But every now and then you hear something. And I auditioned for a very nice script uh, where I played a. I was supposed to play a senator, and it was you know some kind of a Watergate thing. And I, I really liked the scene and sent it off. And they said, "Well, we're gonna yeah, you you booked it. You're gonna make it's it's a show called Gaslit." And you're going to work with Sean Penn and Julia Roberts. And I'm like, wow, okay. And uh, it was a great win. You know, we were all so excited about it. And uh, it's it's airing now. So Gaslit is on Stars, and I got to work with both those those Oscar winning actors. And you know, it's just a very very different kind of scene than than it was when I was growing up. And just, it all seems a little bit. I mean, it was always a little bit vague and unreal because after all, it is illusion storytelling, right. make believe. And now it's just a, a level, a level of illusion that's like <laughs> off the chain. You know, now, now when you and you talk about that, and wow, and that's that's no no mention no big names there. You know, Julia Roberts and Sean Penn don't don't you know? Why don't you drop yeah. some big names? Why don't you drop some yeah. big names there, Jim? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I'm working up to it. I'm working up to it. <laughs> yeah, nice start out you're doing right there. You know, up and coming <laughs> guy. You know, <laughs> you know, no, but it, it, it's funny though. But when you sit there and you look at it now, who was difficult for you to do? Who was difficult? You said, man, to your standards, this has been rough to learn to do an impression of. Well, you know, most most celebrities I can't do their voices. I, I, I concentrate on the ones that I are already kind of in my wheelhouse and that are, you know, in my natural register, you know, because where I can I can I can fake somebody like Sam Elliott, you know, by getting the phone real close. And I think most people could probably do it. Pretty fair, Sam Elliott. If they didn't have to do it too loud, but there's, you know, there's a whole range of characters that I can't really hit, and uh, I just sort of concentrate on the ones that I can, I can put forth in a good way. But one time I got hired to do, um, uh, I've done the voice of Ultron uh, quite often, the Marvel character Ultron. Nice. It's, uh, I've done it on games and a TV series, and uh, even a part of a ride at Disneyland, and. Uh, when that, when I was hired to do that, they were, they were aware that James Spader was going to portray Ultron in the movie, but they, they had not heard what he did with it. Nobody had, the movie wasn't out yet, but they were still working on this series and I got hired and they were forever trying to get me to match something that James Spader might do. <laughs> and then... <laughs> That was one of the most unsatisfying experiences I've ever had because, you know, you, you could be hitting the mark. Nobody knew. It was very arbitrary. And uh, I wound up doing, uh, creating my own sort of Ultron sound that has nothing really to do with what James Spader's doing. But uh, 
but is still a very unsympathetic, monomaniacal robot who loathes all all, uh, organic life forms. You know, so as you're growing up, and you're looking at, you know, and you're, you're getting the idea, you know, you're becoming, you know, awesome cartoonist, but at, for voices wise, you know, who, who are your idols to look at and say, yeah, man, that's the, the top of the list for you as, because I think that, you know, when I listen to your impressions and I'm not saying this because you're on a show, because I'm a huge critic of impressionists. Cause I mean, you know, I don't want to say who was that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's why I think I've enjoyed so much of your stuff. And, uh, but who were like your, you know, man, these are like the top of the list echelon for me. Yeah. It, well, of course we talked about Rich Little and Frank Orshin. I, I really felt lucky whenever I happened to turn the, the uh, manual dial on my black and white television and find them. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, people like Peter Sellers. Wow. Yeah. Uh, who did characters and, and full bodied characters, you know, like, uh, He's probably best known to your audience from Doctor Strangelove, where he plays three very distinct men, uh, and, it, and it works very well. It doesn't detract from the story at all. But he also did a lot of other other characters and other performances that were just really magical. And I I like that quality of somebody being able to kind of disappear and actually become, for all intents and purposes, another distinct individual. I, I like that. I like the demonstration of the freedom of that i think is actually kind of therapeutic <laughs> we don't cool. we don't want to be uh, all the time stuck in this persona we want to be able to have a little bit of elasticity uh, as regards our identity so people like that danny k jonathan winters you mentioned right uh for sure even george carlin george carlin would would sort of uh, portray different people from his past. I love. He was very George good Carlin. vocally. I absolutely love. I I can watch his his videos all day long, and I'll be in tears. And I know all the all the lines, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And the Monty Python guys too. The Monty Python guys. When I was thirteen or fourteen, my dad brought home Monty Python albums uh, oh, that we played wow. on the turntable, and we were like, we had no idea who these people were. <laughs> it's amazing. I never saw a Monty Python album. They did a lot of recorded stuff. Really? That's incredible, mm-hmm. man. I, I just learned something new. I, I just thought it was the TV deals. No, TV show, movies, and, and um, if you get, um, you should, if you ever, I don't know, if you, you've got a turntable now, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I just got it, yeah. So go on Amazon or, or eBay and find a Monty Python album called Matching Tie and Handkerchief. Matching Tie and Handkerchief. That is a the, the only three-sided album that I've ever heard of. Wow. I'm it's double-grooved on one side, so you can play the album three times, you'll hear three different sides. It, it, and it, drive, it, it drove us nuts when we were kids. <laughs> we were like, what is happening? Matching Tie and Handkerchief. I just wrote that down. Sorry, I had a gap there, but I was writing yeah, that down, Jim. So sorry about that, buddy. No? <laughs> That that's awesome. Now, as far as let me ask you a question. Now, obviously, you mess with people. You know, if you call your house, you know, I I, I get it, I dig it. But do you, you ever mess with somebody when you're at Wendy's or something in the drive-through? Or <laughs> I've gone I've gone through the drive-through a couple times at KFC, uh, mostly to make videos, you know, and and uh, ordered uh, one of their chicken sandwiches and talked to them uh, over the microphone there. And most of the time, they don't really pay too much attention. I think they're too busy working. I, that's the problem. Uh, <laughs> People are working long hours, and somebody comes along and sounds like the colonel. It doesn't really 
doesn't really raise an eyebrow. <laughs> That's great. That is fantastic. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Do you, do, you, do you annoy the misses and the kids with these every once in a while? Well, we, you know, we, as I said, we're an acting family, right. so it's it's sort of coin of the realm around here to just say what you got to say. If you have to change in another character to say it, yeah, we do try to make each other laugh. My daughter can make me laugh at you know at will. Right. Uh, she knows exactly what makes me laugh, and <laughs> so hey, you know, my sister also was is a writer producer. My my brother in law, they're all. <laughs> You know, we're we're a show business family, a working show business family. None of us are really superstars or anything like that, other than mom. Uh, my sister's won an Emmy for her work on Friends, but we're you know that's so we, we you know it's it's how we communicate with one another. We like to have fun and to entertain each other. I love that. That is, that is awesome. Now, as far as the fact of now, are you doing live shows now? No, I'm going to start up soon, but uh, I've been busy working on a tv series called the big uh, door prize out in atlanta and so i've been traveling a lot to finish that and i'm done with that now that's going to come out in october on apple tv the big door prize and that stars the very talented and very funny uh, chris o'dowd you might remember chris o'dowd he's an irish actor and he was in bridesmaids yes. famously as yes. the cop uh, the love interest of uh kristen wig there so <laughs> That's uh, that was a fun show to work on, but my live show, yeah, I got to get it together. It's it's uh, over the last two years, so much has happened. So many the personnel have really changed out there in the world. We've had people canceled and people died, and uh, you know, who, who are the celebrities now? Who are the voices that we listen to? Other than Joe Biden, okay, we hear Joe Biden is on. It's 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 a machine with a with a light in it, and you can. Get it at its hardware store, if you can, or or not, or or, or borrow someone's. <laughs> is it? Let me ask you a question on that. Uh, you know, as far as yeah. you just did our president. Um, yeah. Is, is, is who's your favorite president to do that you like to do? Well, I used to do that, George W. Bush. <laughs> I was dying. I, I, was of, I heard it earlier. I was hoping you'd bring it up. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that uh, for. Uh, various uh, applications <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic um who's 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 your like favorite to do that if somebody says it that i because i heard you said what harvey's one that, that almost nobody does um oh, uh, harvey, harvey Keitel, yes the great actor harvey Keitel, yeah for sure yeah there's not much call for harvey Keitel impressions. uh i'm gonna lend myself out to lend my, myself out to kids birthday parties as a harvey Keitel, but the wolf, the wolf could come to your six-year-old's party. I, I tell you what I let, love to do these days is Patrick Stewart. Oh, no. Uh, Sir Pat, because he's always so pleasant. You know, there's something so marvelous. And he seems to have such exuberance and enjoyment of life. And uh, it's very pleasant to act like Patrick Stewart. Suddenly my posture gets better. Uh, I lose I lose whatever hair I have on top of my head. Isn't very much anyway. <laughs> that is fantastic. I have to tell you, everybody thinks they can do them well, but you've got to be one of the best, if not the best, I've heard uh, doing this. In, in, and, you know, I have to say Robin. Robin Williams, uh, very great Robin sure, Williams. Sure, sure. Yeah, thank you. That's an honor. I appreciate it. Well, I've, you know, I've been... Um, I've been very honored to do the Blue Genie character for quite a while for Disney, and uh, Robin had to approve that, so that was very... Very nice thing to remember, and 
I didn't used to do him in my show after he passed in the in the months and really year or so after he passed because uh, out, of, out of I don't know respect or whatever it just it suddenly didn't mean quite the same didn't represent quite the same uh, message you know to uh, portray him but what a great uh, what a great entertainer he has quite a few people to do Robin Williams very well I mean he had a, left an enormous mark on so many uh, comedians and actors and cut a cut a wide swath. Wide swath. Yeah, it's 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 hard to top, uh, you know, him for being funny. I mean, you know, and yeah, talented, impossible. And everything. But I mean, it's sir. It, it has been such a pleasure having you on. I please, I'd love for you to come back on again uh, in the future because you absolutely, you know, it's one of my favorite things to do is listen to an impressionist. So when I talked to Harlan, I said, dude, you know what? I have to have Jim on. And oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'd love to talk to you again. I have a. I, I would love to talk about my online course about uh, becoming a working actor, and I have part of it is, uh, is how to be an impressionist for people that are interested in pursuing that. So, where can they reach out uh, for you? Talk to, tell me, my friend. Tell me. Oh yeah, that's uh, if you go to jimworkingactor.com, dot com, jimworkingactor dot com, you'll get all the information and uh, and let you know. You know what it is it's uh my effort to uh share what i've learned stuff i've learned from my mom stuff i've learned out in the in the trenches of being a working actor and for anybody that really has ever had an inkling of like yeah maybe maybe i could have a career like this or you know if you're a young person starting out there's there's a lot to know a lot to confront and the, and the business is changing so i've i've tried to be as honest and forthright and helpful as i can in, in the videos that are a part of this course so jimworkingactor.com JimWorkingActor.com. And <clears throat> let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever come up to you you've done and said something to you about, you know, that, hey, man, look, that's pretty good or whatever? Uh, well, I know that Ron Howard, uh, and I know Ron Howard pretty well, is aware that I uh, have done his voice from time to time. And uh, he's, very, he's very gracious about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it probably – the thing I realize is that uh, the people that you're imitating are perhaps your worst uh, audience for – uh, an impression because you'll never sound to them the way they sound to them, and, and it always sound a little bit uh, like you're, you're you're mocking them or taking the piss, as the British say. <laughs> that, is, that is great, you know. And I've I've listened to Ron for all my life watching him on TV. So that's pretty damn good. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's always better when you when you actually have come into contact with the person when you've actually spent some time. <laughs> and I've been in five Ron Howard films, so I know him very well. And and so I think that's allowed me to to hone. You know my my impression of him with a lot of love and respect too. Of course, of course it is. I mean, you know, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. You know, that's so, right. And we we share a mom after all. So. Right? Yeah, that too. That too. And you can say she was mine first. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, it's been such a pleasure having you on. Uh, anything you anything else you have to put out there you have coming up, my friend? Besides, obviously, you know, uh, I think I talked about everything. Uh, Gaslit, uh, check man and Gaslit. Uh, also, uh, an episode of Hunters is coming out this summer. That's the Al Pacino Nazi hunting show on HBO. I've got a nice little role in one of those in the third season there. And then uh, the Big Door Prize coming in the fall on uh, Apple TV. You'll come back on and maybe talk about it getting closer to fall. Be happy to. Be happy to. Yeah, when when people can actually see it, I would love to. One more time. Where's our social media at, buddy? Where can we get you on social media? Oh, I'm, I'm at Jim Pressions on uh, Instagram and also TikTok. I'm doing a lot on TikTok uh, at Jim Pressions. And you're on YouTube. And I'm on YouTube as well. Yeah, look up look up Jim Pressions on YouTube. You'll find tons of stuff. 
It's hilarious. Sir, it's been such a pleasure having you on. I really my pleasure. I'm sorry it. my phone dinked out and all that. I apologize. Nah, I'll, man, I'll, it, next it, time it, I'll get it all juiced up real good. <laughs> Jim, it's been awesome, my friend. Thank you so, so very much. Ladies and gentlemen, go check out Jim Eskimen all over social media. I'll post it with this interview. Lifebox Media Channel, we are 